of the Rich Keefe Show on WEEI. And streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. Ernie Adams, I don't even know how to describe him. We used to see this guy walking around. He had these glasses, this mustache. Always talking to Belichick in private. They were always like kind of whispering. Ernie Adams being at the center of Spygate made perfect sense to me. He's a football savant. Ernie Adams is a genius. There's not one detail that Ernie Adams would not know about. Just seeing out on this whole video thing. The video thing? The Jets game in 2007. Oh. Okay. I just, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to reopen it. Well, we have to talk it a little bit. Yeah, right. But just, just, you know, I mean, this is, you're not going to, I'm not, like, could I tell you stories? Yes. Am I going to, no, I got some, I, I, this is, I, it's going to the grave with me a little bit. Okay. Well, let's just talk about it. We'll see where we go. That was just a taste of episode four of the Dynasty on Apple TV Plus, the ten part documentary series on the New England Patriots. This is hour number two of the Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy here on WEEI, and uh, Spygate was the center of uh, episode four. And uh, Fitzy, what, did, what was your big takeaway as it relates to the, the the last two episodes that we saw of the Dynasty? Uh, I've got some notes. Uh, <laughs> yes. I've had a chance to both watch the... Yep. Uh, I've had a chance to both watch all those episodes as well as a few others, but I'll stay spoiler-free Yeah. Uh, right up through episode four. Um, I understand why fans were frustrated by both the lack of time spent on the 2003-2004 seasons, per se, in terms of just like building the wagon that was the true... Dynasty, you know, two teams that went a combined, I think it was 34 and four, which was pretty spectacular. They had an insane winning streak of over yep. 20 games at some point during that stretch. 20, as well. A 21, 21 game, game winning streak, yep. which yep. has not been replicated since. And I don't think any team that ever does go back to back will go 34 and four again, probably in the NFL, because it's just that impossible and just that impressive. And I also understand that fans are frustrated by uh, a lack of focus on the Brady-Manning dynamic, that the greatest rivalry between two teams and especially two great competitors in the NFL or any sport was kind of short-shrifted. That said, um, you know, I felt it was a little late to be getting to Super Bowl thirty-six all the way into the third episode. I would have maybe liked to have seen them close that up by episode two, spend three on the dynasty really flourishing, Mm -hmm. and then you get to how it faltered a tad, Belichick reloaded, Spygate happens, and then all hell breaks loose and hits the fan. I love the Spygate episode. I know fans do not. uh, There's a lot of people that don't. They feel like an old wound was reopened. A scab was picked at. There's a lot of nitpicking. Part of the story. Yeah. A lot of nitpicking over like, well, Armin Contean read a memo that wasn't actually a rule and the Patriots were punished for a memorandum and it never would have held up in court and they should have defended them to that degree. Look, Jeff Benedict and Matthew Hamachek, your writer and director from book and the docu-series and the director, have said time and again they're not here to make another championship DVD from NFL Films or a book report. They're telling a more dramatic narrative story based around the dynasty of the Patriots and how unbelievable and controversy-filled and improbable it was. So it's not, it's not going to give fans the blast of sunshine up there. You know what they've been looking for because the last couple of years have been frustrating. And and yet, like you just said, Rich, Spygate was such a bigger deal than p- 
people around here realize, like the rest of the country, the vitriol yeah. that built nationally towards the New England Patriots, it was unbelievable. Like, well, one of the things they highlight in it too is how it changed Belichick. Not that he was, you know, open mic night for the first five years well, or six years while he was here, but right. after Spygate, it was even worse, and he didn't want to say anything to anybody. And he was pissed, and he still is pissed. He's got to be still thinking about it at times, about Spygate. Uh, no, but I think, again, with all these, even all these good teams, in like these documentaries or books have been written about them, it's not just the winning. It's like how they were able to win with everything else going on. Like the last dance highlighted a lot of stuff, including, you know, Dennis Rodman and what he was doing and Michael Jordan leaving for a couple of years and like, why the hell did he leave and then coming back? Uh, or if you look at like the Dallas Cowboys dynasty, that book about all the stuff that was going on with all those crazy guys down there, like that's what made it interesting. Not, and then they beat the bills, right? Like that's part of it, but you want all the stuff. And so once you heard, whether you read the book or not, and then you were getting ready for the documentary, you're like, all right, Here's a team that was in nine Super Bowls. They won six of them. They also had two of the biggest cheating scandals in NFL history, in Spygate and Deflategate. They also had Aaron Hernandez on their team. They also benched a Pro Bowl cornerback in a Super Bowl. Like, those are all things that I think you need to discuss. Uh, I also, it's funny, like, I, I view these episodes and I sort of, you know, uh, break them down almost like games or almost like, you know, Davey and I do on the hashtag dork podcast. I might love a movie, but I'm still going to like rip it apart, you know? And so I've enjoyed the first four episodes of this overall. I thought the first two were better than the second two. I think that I like the idea that they're trying to keep it to a tight 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's not as daunting. However, some of the things they have chosen to put in versus leave out kind of puzzle me. I'm with you. Like the the 03 and 04 teams just get glossed over. They don't even mention Corey Dillon, like Corey, or like Antoine Smith. You see him in a couple of highlights, but Antoine Smith was a factor on those teams. The running game was Super massive. Yeah, yeah, he was incredible. And then the Corey Dillon year, like that 04 team, the 04 team might be the best team that they have had in 20 years. And that got a oh yeah. Then they won their third one, and it was a dynasty. It's like well, right. It's like the wagon got rolling, yeah. and you guys probably already know that. So just right. for everyone who's watching, whether you're in Patriots Nation in the confines of New England or beyond, don't worry about it. Th- those teams were great. Like That was kind of surprising. I, I might have I given like a quick touch to the, <laughs> the great regular season game in Indianapolis. Remember what a thriller that was? Yeah. And again, like I said. The William McGinnis stuff, was it that one? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That game was so, so yeah. great. Um you like I I would have maybe and I don't know if they're gonna if they're gonna touch on it later in the series as well because there is a little I'm not gonna say Tarantino esque uh, editing but they are doing some nonlinear editing oh no you, doubt yeah because you're I getting was... ahead and then all of a sudden wait it's 2006 but I thought we were already past Spygate like we're well like, just I mean even further back where all of a sudden you're sitting there and then it's 1971 and then you're sitting there and it's 1993 again and you're like oh whoa and like they go down that whole road with Bill Parcells and him leaving you know during Super Bowl week essentially right. and they, they relive that a little bit I also didn't understand the need for the guy that worked security that was like an undercover cop for the Spygate thing like I would have left that whole that guy out of it like I didn't I didn't, I didn't, I didn't need him in the least he yeah. didn't provide if anything go find me Matt Walsh the video guy that was sent I, to Hawaii yes. that was like yeah. You know, later on, I want to hear from Dorito Dink or the yeah. Deflator or somebody. Yeah. Like. <laughs> no, but, trust me, I'm, I'm, I think Spygate does deserve its own episode. I just think was, that there was it different. Led the national news, yeah. for God's sake. Yeah, no, uh, it, on, it needed to be in there, and uh, just sort of what the ripple effect was after the fact. Also, 
why they they turned it up a notch in 07, right? That helps explain why all of a sudden they were just rolling on teams. And Randy Moss was great. Like, you can't have enough Randy Moss in this thing for for my liking. But, yeah, you had a sense. Amazing. Yeah, he's great. He amazing. But, I mean, two episodes went down, and there were, they weren't even in the Super Bowl yet. So And then when you saw what the titles were for the upcoming ones, you're like, oh, they, they are going to have to kind of hit fast forward a little bit on this. Also, maybe you know the answer to this. Did they ask Wes Welker to be a part of it, and he said yes. no? Okay. Yes. Because uh, I was like, alert. You'll, uh, uh, this does not break the um, yeah. critical embargo. Okay. Yes, Welker appears later. Because I was like, they, 07, he led the team in catches, and I thought they were going to make a and big... And he had the worst drop in arguably Super Bowl Joe, history. Later. Joe, Joe, calm down, Joe. Joe. Calm down, Joe. Calm down. Joe, calm First of all... I have said time and again before on the weekends with Hart, I'll say I've said it here with Rich, I'll say it again. I'm not here for any Wes Welker slander. I understand <laughs> yeah. that it was sort of it was probably more of a drop than it was a bad throw. That's fine and dandy. It wasn't However, a great throw. To parse it, out. It, wasn't a great the, throw. it wasn't a great throw, it wasn't a great catch. No. Uh however, Wes Welker over those six years, a few offensive engines get less credit for the work that they did. Uh but wasn't the drop it wasn't the drop in the eleven Super Bowl? Super Bowl forty six, yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't, but yeah, so this what we just Super saw Bowl highlights 42. of forty two. He wasn't that wasn't he the was, drop. He was the best part of the offense in right. the game, and he right. was going to be MVP if they won that game. Yeah, because so, he had eleven catches for over hundred yards, kind of like Branch did in Super Bowl thirty nine, and like Edelman did in fifty three. But reliving that again, that was a long hundred minutes. It felt like when they did that the episode slow-mo. felt like it was two hours long. Like it was Eli just Manning, so painful. Freaking Eli Manning getting out of that sack. Like, give me a break. And then David Tyree, who's not even like a special teamer, pinning the ball to his helmet with Rodney Harrison draped all over him. Two of the craziest. And I love that plays they ever. pinned it home. Oh, if they just knocked it, there were five of us. We could have won the game with that one. Like, <laughs> like, sure. He didn't have to say that. Or if you just sacked Eli Manning, or if that guy doesn't make that catch. But I mean. It, it happened, and so we had to we had to relive that one. So it, it stung a little bit, but yeah, I thought they were going to make a little bit bigger deal of a couple of things. One in uh, 06, Brady not having the receivers at all, and then them being thank, like, thank "We're going to kick this thing up a notch, and we are going to be aggressive." They should have had like a little montage of like Moss showing up, Welker showing up, Stallworth showing up, and just like the draft footage of Chris. Yes. I think it was Chris Mortensen who announced that they executed a trade for a fourth round pick to get Moss at the 07 draft. Yeah. I would have loved just that little bit, like you know, again, it's not narrated, so it's being told from the yeah. testimonial and the found footage as well. And those are the two. Best things. They promised you access to footage you would have never imagined from home videos and yeah. cell phones, Patriots archives, and NFL films, and they're delivering. And some of these testimonials, Scott Pioli, phenomenal storyteller. He's good. Emotional yeah. core of the show. Ernie Adams, my absolute favorite. My oh, God. Is he? He comes across him. terrible. In people, this. Up, people are loving it because I just I have think an affinity he comes for him. Across, I think he's. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's an interesting cat for sure. Uh-huh. But him and the cup we played coming back when he. Is saying how he's going to take the Spygate stuff to his grave. Now, he doesn't even say Spygate. He says the video stuff from the Jets game in 07 or the New York game in 07. But by him being so tight-lipped about Spygate 20 years later makes me think Spygate's even worse than we're let on. It might be. That, it, like, it must be because, like, why else would you say that about it? I thought that I got an easy solution. You've already been punished by it. You could just be like, listen, we, we kind of knew what we were doing was wrong. You're allowed to, like... 
you know, see the the uh, the signs. We put guys in spots that they shouldn't have been. It's our mistake. We got punished. We moved on. Instead, it's like you're gonna have to kill me to get the answers from me. Like, what kind of what the hell? What kind of advantage was this? I like as a Patriots fan, my knee jerk reaction is be like, everybody was doing it. Who cares? But this, like the way he talked about, it, I'm like, oh man, I might have to rethink all of this. This might be the biggest deal in the world. Uh, just like the same way the Jets were busted for it in November of 2006, and that never gets mentioned. I do like the fact that they go into the whole idea that there's like a little Fredo routine with Mangini. Yep. Who Belichick told not to take the job, and he does, and that creates this rivalry but I also between think Bill, Belichick Jr. and actual Bill. I think Mangini is a rat for sure, but I think yep. Bill is really dumb to do that against a guy that knows you're doing that. Like, that's just... Like because save it for week two. He wants two. to bust you because you're like, don't take that job, and he's like, yeah. you don't control me, Dad. Yeah, and like, then, like you're. That's you a huge. Take. It's a huge risk that you're you're taking there. But Belichick, don't. This is one of the things that is his strength and also his weakness, is that, or it, be, it became something that people could pry on and ultimately got in the way of him being able to accomplish some of his goals. It, you know, his genius, but he's also very pedantic and leather mm-hmm. of the law, and he kept saying, "This is how we interpreted it." So, yeah, you know, and it was a memo. It wasn't a rule. It had not been voted on by all 32 teams and passed by a majority of ownership. So if it's a memo, it's technically just sort of like a warning. You shouldn't be able to enforce that. I will go to my grave nowhere near Ernie Adams's grave (laughs) saying that this was entirely put upon by a bunch of owners that were pissed off that the New England Patriots were able to maintain a standard of excellence and continue succeeding with Pretty Boy and the cantankerous coach and billionaire Bob owning the team. And they hadn't taken their step back in the, uh, you know, in the uh, com- competitively, supposedly. Oh, no, they were NFL. still good. Right. And now it's like, why are they now they got Moss and Welker? F these guys. You know what? We have a reason to jump on top of them. Boom. Here it is. The it's going to the grave with me a little bit. But I think they could have made a bigger deal out of that, whether it was, it, it was a memo, but it was like, hey, we know everybody's doing this, knock it off. And the Patriots were like, okay, we're not going to knock it off, and we're going to do it week one against our former uh, assistant coach. So, I mean, I think they were dumb to do it, and then, but to your point, the league was ready to jump on them, and the other owners were ready to jump on them, just like you would see, what, seven, eight years later, whatever the hell it was with the Flategate. Same kind of idea, right? So now... Belichick has one squarely on him. Brady has one squarely on him, and yet they were able to win before, during, and, and after that. Uh, your thoughts on the dynasty? Feel free to weigh in. Plus, we're talking a lot about the Patriots draft as we are two months away, but it's combine week. A lot of different rumors flying around out there. You can join us at 617-779-7937. It's the Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy here on WEI. Right now, here is Joe with What's Trending. We won two Super Bowls in three years. And I remember one of my teammates, he's like, Brew, come here, man. So check this out. We've won two out of three. We win three out of four. It's a dynasty. And that's the first time I heard it spoke. And it made me aware of what it would mean. And that's where the addiction kicks in. That's when you realize it's like this can't stop now. 
Teddy Bruschi as part of the Dynasty. That was from episode three. So the first time they heard Dynasty. And uh, that was a cool moment. Again, they gloss over the uh, 2003 and 2004 seasons and and Super Bowl in there. Mm -hmm. I understand they have a lot to get to. And it's a tough thing, right? Because you don't want to have a 20-part documentary. You don't want to have 30 hours of stuff. Like, this isn't a Ken Burns documentary and all respect to Ken Burns but that's actually that's a good point that's I think that's in a lot of ways what either a lot of fans were expecting yeah or maybe. wanted but in large part don't we already have that via man in the arena do your job one two three all the all the DVDs that are collecting dust in our respective fan caves and everything else that has been produced ad nauseum over the years about the Patriots dominance mm-hmm. and so Again, there were a few things in, in all the episodes that you're probably scratching your head that they put in and then, you know, why they, they the stuff they took out. I thought the first two out, like I was waiting for this thing to get kind of nasty towards Bill Belichick. And it felt like the first two episodes that hadn't happened. And if anything, it was like, this actually seems pretty good. And, you know, when Andy Hart was in last week, kind of made the case that, you know, Bill does look uncomfortable sitting up there, which is true. But in the first two episodes, it's mainly about... Him being the only guy in the world that was like, we're going with Tom over Drew. And everybody being like, really? Like, you're not going back to Drew Bledsoe? So it was just Bill looking like a genius for the first two episodes. But now you got, like, classic press conference Belichick when he wouldn't talk about Spygate. And it was just, he kind of snorts. He's like, I've said what I need to say on it. It's like, well, Bill, it's... It's a documentary series now, and like Come we're on. like just because you said what, it. What are people afraid of? What's he going to say to incriminate himself? I'm sure there's no statute of limitations when it comes to things like this. But yeah, what is he gonna, he's going to he's going to recriminate himself over this. I like, know. I, I I specifically, some people thought it was unnecessary or unfair as it began the docu series's portrait of Belichick as the arch villain of it all, or someone who would take the fall by the end. Why did Brady leave? Why did it fall apart? Yeah, but. Belichick sitting there with the suit, you know, the big gray suit, shot at the angle he shot at the neck. Stuffy, yeah, just feels. When he comes in and he rolls his neck and you hear the bones crack, I'm like, (laughs) that's that's Vader getting off the shuttle here in the Imperial March. That is just chef's kiss. This guy's at ease. He's he's ready to talk. (laughs) Like, oh my god, he couldn't be more uncomfortable. I don't know if he's like sitting on spikes. Like, good lord. But I think it's only going to get turned up a little bit and like. I can only imagine what it's going to be like at the end of this when they're talking about Bill and Brady and those guys kind of kind of separating. Although what I think we are seeing right now and what we're going to see as it goes on is every time like a big time figure leaves Boston and even if it was the right reason to leave, if there's any kind of extra push or any kind of extra uh, like mudslinging, fans are smart enough to be like, no, no, like don't do that. Don't do that. Like, oh, so we're picking on Bill now? Like, I don't think people like that. I think back to, like, Terry Francona, like, when Terry Francona left, and then there was all those stories in the Globe about, like, really piling on him. It's like, no, 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 he's already gone. You don't need to besmirch him. We're not going to forget all the great moments that this player or coach or manager did bring to the area, so you don't need to pile on the guy. Mm-mm. No one needs piling on now at this yeah. point. No, it's over. I, like, we get I it. Just, it's over. Just, I, I, at this point now, there's, like, Time supposedly heals all wounds, and I don't know if it's necessarily going to in the case of the different hurt feelings that yeah. we have, respectively, in the dynasty. And, and I know another one of the big pushbacks, Rich, and I'm sure you've heard it mentioned on our station, yeah. other stations, 
Boston Globe, social media, wherever, has been the fact that while it says it is produced by Brian Grazer and Imagine Entertainment, Imagine Documentaries, at the very end, it's copyright 2024, Kraft Dynasty Productions, LLC. Which means that basically now people think that he bought his, he paid for this, had final cut, yeah. had a say over everything, and the director and Jeff Benedict have both denied mm-hmm. that Kraft or Kraft Productions, et cetera, had final say over it, that they wouldn't walk into this with giving somebody else editorial control. Now, he could have an influence over certain things and insist upon being featured in certain episodes. It's like, here, I'll pay for it, but you got to feature Mr. Kraft a little bit. And you'll well, see even know, more of him in like, certain episodes. Yeah, and also, I mean, if you think about even like from Benedict's case when he's writing the book or any of the guys putting together the, the documentary. Correct. If Robert Kraft is opening up all this access to you and you know he's telling the story in his way right like here's here's my story and you're like so you can take it or leave it but you listen to him you ask him questions you take the answers you decide what you want to put in what you don't want to put in and then you go to the other side and you're like well all right bill like what are your thoughts on it and he's like i've already talked about this like, okay so i think it's almost human nature for it to be skewed one way one guy's willing to talk to you about it and again Correct. he's painting it in his own picture so you as a viewer are left to sort of decipher like is this 100 percent true or whatever but like bill's not exactly standing up on a table screaming his side right and 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 two points to this as well like you said this is this is craft in large in large ways he's brought all these people to the table yeah. to give us this perspective that a lot of people think is whitewashed in favor of his way that he wants to be seen, or rather a revisionist historian's reframing of a lot of Patriots history, which I can take or leave. Not It doesn't feel entirely that way, but I also see how and why he wants to make sure everyone appreciates him and loves him for all the things that he did. And maybe mm-hmm. by the end of the series, we will appreciate everything, or rather not we, I do already, but yeah, a lot right. of people will appreciate how Robert Kraft kept these two people together because those are some giant personalities and a, a big accomplished egos you mm-hmm. have. In Brady and Belichick. And as far as Belichick goes, I heard something today on um, the herd with Cowherd about how there's a report that Belichick is unhappy. Report, I'm not sure exactly the source, I'll double okay. check, but a that Belichick's unhappy with the way that he's being portrayed in the dynasty. Interesting. Um, okay, well, at the same time, you got to rem- A, if there's anyone people probably think can take it, it's Belichick because he has the DGAF attitude 24 yeah. 7, 365, and B, he compo- he's Bill Belichick. This is the way he's composed is himself. Is he watching this whole thing, you think? He's not going to come across like the dad in Bluey. No, he's not. Nobody is, For I mean, for God's sakes. No, the guy's the I don't need anybody to. Yeah. It's football, for God's sakes. Yeah, but am I crazy to think that the first two episodes he came across well? I feel like he was... I thought he came across... I thought yeah. it's the best he's come across because... Yeah. I thought it took a turn. It took a real turn in the Spygate episode, and why wouldn't it? I mean, this is also where it took a turn... It, like over the course of this two decade run, like he got a little bit tighter lipped, he got a little bit shorter, he got a little bit more annoyed with everybody, all following Spygate. And I think when that gets brought up, you saw how uncomfortable Ernie Adams got about it. I'm sure Bill's like, "Oh, great, here we go again." But guess what? It's part of the story. We we have to hit on it. But I I don't know. I thought he, he came across great in the first two. If it was up to Robert Kraft, Drew Bledsoe would have been back in there the second he was cleared, and then most of the guys on the team would have been good with it. But Bill made that hard decision. I think we forget about how difficult that decision was 15, 20, 24 years later. But it was. So I thought he looked good. And I'll tell you, even some of the stuff in the locker room thus far has been pretty good with Bill. 
Like I, I thought him screaming about uh, different stuff. Here's one of the one of the clips I liked. And when the New England Patriots take the field later tonight against the San Diego Chargers, it will be under a dark cloud. I know. Look, I don't want to say anything about this jet thing. Okay, just shut the f- up. Just worry about ourselves, <laughs> our team. Everybody else is going to say what they want to say. We can't control that, but we can control what we're talking about and what we're doing. Okay, we got a lot of work to do. And Buddy, then, I got that same pep talk from you, Rich, before yeah, we started I this. Week. I got right in Joe's face. I really care what you say, Braverman. Just shut the <laughs> just shut the bleep up, Joe. He's like about what everything, but everything. And then that led to uh, Brewski talking about this one. I hope you appreciate this question, Coach. Hey, fellas, how we feel about playing for Bill Belichick? After the whole Spygate thing, we had a lot of emotions for Bill hate love i mean everything everything but he was ours and everybody's just going after our coach bill would never express how he despised everything that was said like trying to invalidate everything that we've done because of a signal but this is how we knew when he felt it that offense kept scoring bill was just relentless would be up by 20, 30 points. And he's telling the offense, do it again. We're beating people's ass so bad that we're the bad guys. Sort of liked it, though. So, uh, come on, that's so yeah. that is it's good stuff. That is so good. And by the way, Rich, you, you would know this as the host of Hashtag Dork, speaking to Correct. a certified dork on the other end. Listen to the music cue at the beginning of that interview with Brewski, too. It almost sounds like Hans Zimmer's soundtrack for, like, The Dark Knight, too. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, they're going, a, they're, they're going villains. There's an ambitious, malevolent yep. tone to it. I also thought, and I know they flashed some scores and they showed the scoreboard, but I just would have preferred, like, a better montage of 07. And I know, again, they showed some touchdowns and whatever, but they really showed nothing of Welker. It was just a lot of Randy Moss, which is great. I could watch Randy Moss highlights all day, every day. But because it was so impressive early, they could have just flashed the score of every single game. And what they also then avoided was how close the games got at the end and how they barely beat the Giants in the final game of the season. And I looked at, I I think you can still mirror how close the Patriots played the Rams in 0-1 in the regular season. And then that sort of gave them confidence for the Super Bowl. Just like the Giants in uh, in 07. The Giants were the last game of the season. Final score was 38-35. Mm-hmm. And so for everybody being like, oh, the Pats are going to win by 14, they're going to win by 17, it's like, well, the Giants gave them all they could handle mm-hmm. in the last game of the season. So uh, they didn't put that stuff in there. But still, it was it was interesting to hear uh, Brewski's side of it and all the guys on the team's side of it with, with Spygate because at that moment, it was the easiest thing to do if you were not a Patriots fan was to say, all right, well, those first three Super Bowls are all crap, right? Like, that's that's what you would do. You'd be like, all right, they cheated. They did reference the Tomasi piece yep. in the yep. Boston Herald from yep. 2002, which, of course, was later redacted by the Herald yep. because that caught. And that's what really, I mean, it was it was bad. Super but then Bowl that week, just, you have, that was a brutal double whammy because I still remember those pictures of Tom Brady with the injured ankle. And then, and then you get the Rams thing, and you're like, "Oh my god, the perfect season!" You're like, "This is this is getting in doubt at that point." Yeah, I also would have liked. Uh, again, it's not. Maybe they asked these questions and they stuck with what they stuck with because they felt it was more compelling. Uh, but 
I would almost sort of love to hear Josh McDaniels if he offered either like a mea culpa or like, you know, if if you know you're 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 talking about Spygate, what it meant nationally, the vitriol that was pointed and spewed towards the Patriots, and you heard there from Bruschi, and you later hear from Pioli about how every game went from like the joy of winning to just relief because yeah, that was good. They were addicted yeah. to it, and they just had to keep this thing going that meant so much to all of them in mm-hmm. unification behind Bill. Yeah. Um, but, like, I would have almost loved to have heard from Josh McDaniels, who you hear from during this docuseries. Yep. Saying, like, you know, if I had a chance to do it again, we probably would have found a way to get the ball to Welker earlier and get the, you know, protect Tommy because we, yeah. the, you know, the, our run game got blown up and we couldn't get Moss because Spagnolo had him double covered. But even that go ahead, that go ahead drive, I mean, they took the lead with two and a half minutes to go and it was just Brady to Moss, Brady to Moss, Brady to Moss. Welker was in there too. They just yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they didn't cover that as much. And <laughs> they just decided not to show it. Like I was yeah. on yesterday. Yeah, exactly. I was on yesterday with John Lyons and we were talking about the elements of that that still haunt you as well. And mm-hmm. We had some callers call in and say like, I'm still mad Belichick didn't try the 47-yard field goal as opposed to going for it on 4th and 13. Yeah, that wasn't brought up at all about like going from Venetary, who was nails, couldn't have been better in the playoffs, those the first three Super Bowls, and now you have Steven Guskowski in there. And but it was the about confidence Spygate. Wasn't the same. It wasn't about the Patriots. In, yeah, right, in this respect, right. it becomes more about the Spygate narrative yeah. and having the Patriots get the cruel karmic revenge thrust in their face well, on an international stage. As a Patriots fan, would you rather have uh, six Super Bowls and two cheating scandals or three Super Bowls and a squeaky clean image? Oh, I love the six Super Bowls and two scandals. Definitely. I would, I would Definitely. live... Rich, I wouldn't even like. I went looking for my free Brady T-shirt the other day just because I feel like wearing it again now that I've <laughs> yeah. watched all this. Yeah, like I, I, those are such rich parts of our lives and yeah. rich parts of our fandom and our local sports culture and history. Now, yeah, I wouldn't have lived without them. Now, I, if you're going to ask me, would you? How many Super Bowls? All right, let's go to the let's go to the table here with the pawn shop. Here we the, are, the pigskin pawn shop. Love it. How many Super Bowls would you trade for a perfect season? Uh. Easy two, you might be able to talk me into three. Andy brought up the question, what Boston titles in general would you give up for that undefeated oh. Super Bowl? I mean, that was... that was. And Bruins, I will trade you yeah. two Patriots, Bruins, and a Red Sox. Yeah. For... Sorry, Beast fans. Which Red Sox are we talking, Fitzy? Uh, 07. 2018. Or 07. Yeah, 07 See, I would say 07. The 18 team was nasty, and then that gives Mookie Betts a title with the team, and then it's like even worse that you let him go. 13 was just a crazy run, so I'd keep that. And then 04 is one of the greatest moments of anybody's lives. So. 13 meant so much to the city as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but as for the Patriots, like, would you knock it all the way down to four Super Bowls? Uh, easy. Easy, I would knock it down. I, three, I'd have a hard time going. Three through. is tough because four is already kind of separates you from so many other teams and quarterbacks and things like that. But they would have been the greatest team in sports history had they just won that final game. And you'd have, and you would have that, and you wouldn't feel, you wouldn't feel rage whenever you see eighteen and one paraphernalia. Oh my god! You would also, you would also be able to like brag about the fact that you did, you were a fan of the greatest team of all time ever. Uh, yep. Yeah. And yeah. you'd have that and you have 19 and 0 shirts and the Shaughnessy book would have been published and all that jazz. And it really would have opposed to the memes the, of like, yeah. Hey, look at the children of Nicaragua wearing Patriots perfect <laughs> season shirts. Well, and it really just like it, it bats away anybody that says Spygate was like important or that they needed Spygate. Right. And I know they <laughs> won 18 and 0, but then they lost to the giants and everybody's like, well, that's because I didn't get to film the giants. And you're like, Oh, 
Well, because the offensive line had a terrible week of practice, and Strahan and Tuck played out of their minds, and yeah. McDaniels called too aggressive. OCU game Manura, holy smokes, he had a game. They, well, Tuck was uncontrolled. Tuck should have been Tuck MVP of that game. Yeah, Tuck, Tuck was, should have been MVP of that game. They were, uh, but and the cheating scandals, and I know we're a few episodes away from Deflategate, but they were really like I know I sound like a homer, and I am, but like the lamest ones, like they're the the, ass the football one, like please, like that is we. I don't know how many hours I spent talking about that, and I don't want to have to relive that all over again. But it was so dumb in the moment, it's even dumber years later. Like, to think that that was any kind of advantage or whatever else, and then the punishment, the whole thing was so idiotic. And then the Spygate thing, like, I I blame everybody involved, though, for it. Like, I, I blame Belichick. I blame Adams. I blame Mangini. Like, that was just, that was so dumb that that even happened. And then you end up losing first-round picks along the way. So when we play the what-if Patriots game, there's a couple of first-round picks out there that would have been on the Patriots had they not had these cheating scandals. Yeah, first-round draft picks. First-round picks, which is like the highest currency. Wait till you see what some of these first-round picks get traded for in a couple of weeks. It's the highest currency outside of a franchise quarterback in the NFL, and they lost two of them for nonsense. For absolute nonsense yeah. as well. And, you know, the four game Now, in the end, it works out for Brady missing the four games because he comes out, plays like a man on fire. He has a hell of a season. And then that one is capped by his signature performance and the greatest comeback in all major American sports playoff history. But just to think, like, all the nonsense, like the fact that we knew names like Judge Richard Berman and... Uh, I did a lot of reading. There was a lot Mike of reading. Parson, you know, yeah. um, uh, who's it? Uh, Mike Kensel and oh yeah, yep, yep, like all these names that should never have mattered have <laughs> no. mattered squat to us and like no. the fact that we all PV equals NRT and ideal gas law and all this nonsense. I think the tipping point for me was when Bill Nye, the science guy, came out and had a breakdown of it, and I was like, all right. I'm out. And then a kid did a book report or did a science fair project that proved Bill Nye was full of it because Bill Nye came out as a Seahawks fan. I'm pretty sure there was like a college course or something like that. No, he was legit wrong. Like, that was the craziest part about it. I'm like, wait a minute. So now do I not know anything about science? Like, growing up, this guy taught me everything, and now he was wrong the whole time. And now you're going to tell me that uh, someone actually does Guy Fieri's cooking for him? Revoke that science guy (laughs) name. You're just Bill. All right, let's roll the dice right here, Fitzy, and go to uh, Paul in Rhode Island who wants to talk NFL draft. Paul, what do you have? Well, I'm going to have to roll with I have to take the number three pick and go with Harrison and then uh, wait for anything that comes along with uh, a free agent. I will not pay. I will not pay, I repeat, $25 million or more. I'll take Jacoby. I'll take uh, Hooker. I'll take whatever you come down. You will never get $25 million. But here's one more thing. After this young... A coach is, is uh, exposed to this scenario. Yeah, I have to say everybody's exposed. Everybody's exposed. Nice uh, management, you name it. But you know what? Guess what? What? You're in the division that is tough. It's tough. This division is tough. So is the Pittsburgh division, and Mahomes will. Mahomes will never win the division this year, and everybody's changing. They're building up. Everybody's building up, and I'm telling you, next thing you know, we might just get the best draft this year with a new quarterback. All right. We'll leave it there, Paul. Thanks. I'm honestly being honest. 
<laughs> All right. Is it just tr- truly just he is the poet laureate of Patriots Nation? It was worth a shot. Uh, Always. Yeah. There you go. The Rich, Rich just be careful because everyone's getting exposed. Yeah. Everyone's exposed. <laughs> Can you imagine? Wow. Usually that's after 10 p.m. on uh, Skinamax. Yeah. All right, you can weigh in just like Paul. It's a high bar here, but uh, you can try. 617-779-7937. Let's go to some teams that are currently playing, uh, Celtics and Bruins. Bruins have been uh, struggling as of late. What is going on with the Bees? Meanwhile, the Seas can't lose. So we'll get to both of those teams. Coming up next, it's the Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy here on WEEI. Here on the Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy, W-E-E-I. You can join the program at 617-779-7937. We're on Twitter and Instagram as well, at Rich Keefe Show. You can watch the program on Twitch. Just go to twitch.tv slash Boston W-E-E-I. We're also on YouTube. You can watch the show there. So uh, plenty of ways to uh, interact, watch, listen, etc. And Fitzy, the Boston Bruins, although still in first place in the, uh, the Eastern Conference, are three, three, and four in their last 10 games, back-to-back overtime losses. In fact, their last five games have gone to overtime, uh, but they lost in Vancouver on Saturday. They lost in Calgary on Thursday. They finally wrap up this road trip tonight, late game, uh, 10 o'clock puck drop in Seattle. But what do you make of the Bruins over this 10-game stretch? I don't understand how the Bruins cannot hold a lead just like the Bruins the in six on five situations is quickly turning into what the Celtics third periods were a while ago a while ago now obviously the Celtics have uh, played much better in the third quarter of late but Rich I'm of the mindset that the Bruins should and I it was funny I was walking into the studio yesterday Mm -hmm. for the 11 to 1 with John Lyons and the skate pod or Sunday skate was walking out of the studio so we had a nice hearty three four minutes of McLaughlin and Bridget and Razor going back and forth mm-hmm. about, you know, trading a goalie, making a move, because there's obviously there's a glaring need on this team. And I, I, I just don't I feel like they're going to find their way back into the same situation where they don't have a closer. They can't tough their way out of these situations right. at the end of games. They obviously don't have the same firepower they did last year, although the team's been pretty damn good thus far. Uh, and they're going to get into another weird two goal two goalie rotation and not know what to do. It's time to blank or get off the pot. Mo- you know, free up some space, move Allmark, find someone else that can come in and help you. Uh, this is not now just one of those like, oh, the Bruins had a tough three game stretch, so I guess they're going to have to figure out what to do. Like, no, three three and four is now an official trend. This is a little bit more than a swoon, Rich. This is now yeah, no, this officially is, a trend for them. This really is. It, it also goes to show you how it's really difficult once the season really gets going to either gain or lose a tremendous amount of ground because if mm-hmm. you go to overtime, you're grabbing that loser point every single night. It seems like so. Even though the stretch has been really bad, they're adding points. So they're still holding off teams like Florida in the in the division, and I don't know if that's going to last the rest of the way, but they haven't been playing like a first-place team for a long time, and yet that is still where they are in the standings. Trade deadline comes up Friday, March 8th, so we still have a little bit of time until then. I know some of the national reporting on it is they could use a center, they could use a defenseman, mm-hmm. uh, their penalty kill has been really bad. 
But what did they do to make moves? So Don Sweeney recently has been trading all their draft picks. So which I think is fine. Like I've no, I'm not like going to sit here now and be pissed that they traded draft picks last year or the year before. Like I, I thought that was the right thing. They should have been aggressive with those teams. But in the NHL, where the salary cap actually matters, and it's not spend whatever you want, like baseball, be creative to spend what you want in football, or you just have like these massive contracts for your good players in basketball. It's tougher in the NHL to do that. And because they don't have picks or a lot of cap space, if they want to make changes, it's going to have to be roster players that move. And the the most obvious one would be one of the goalies. And by one of, I mean Linus. If you trade Linus Allmark. Yep. But, I mean, I'm open to trading Matt Grizzlick. I have been for years. He's in the last year of his deal. He's at $3.6 million, So and? that might be something you can do there. And? Jake DeBrusque. And Jake DeBrusque. His, yep. his name keeps getting brought up all the time. That's as four well. million. That's four million bucks right there. Uh, and then Linus is five. So, right. two of your goalies, I believe, as far as average aid or like cap hit for this year, I yep. believe are in your top ten players. Right? Are, are both goalies? So, you know, even when you go into a playoff series, one of your top ten highest paid guys isn't going to play. So, I know they should have traded Olmark at the beginning of the season. They didn't. It doesn't mean they can't do it in the next two weeks if they want to try to add to this team, but I think it's worth doing, right? It's not like they're clipping along and they have been like a, a solid wild card team all year. It's like they're the number one team in the East. Like, even though we don't all believe it, they should do something at the deadline. They need to tinker with this roster and, and try to get better. So to lean on the idea that, like, well, we actually in- – <clears throat> they have the same number of points as what the Rangers now, so they actually got caught um, in the Eastern Conference. Oh, okay, so happen. yeah, the so Panthers they, yeah. are so they're one up in them. the division. They yep. uh, are yeah, they're tied now with the Rangers, right? Yeah, because the Rangers have actually been pretty hot. One up in their division over the Panthers, and they're tied with the Rangers overall mm-hmm. in the conference. Uh, no, there's no doubt the team's going to go into the postseason. They've lost two in a row, like we said, three, three, and four. Whereas the Panthers are eight and two in their last. 10 Rangers 9 and 1. Yep. Uh power play is in in the morgue right now like it's absolutely frozen solid on yeah. ice. Um, no, but it is they like they get up by two goals and then they just like fall apart. It's like you got they've had a lead I feel like in all these games that they've lost. They've been up yep. and you're like, "Oh, uh, they're this... in Vancouver. It's 2 oops, yeah. it's 2-2 two, two no. with a minute left." Forget like, it. And, I, and it feels like it feels like a repeat of mm. game 7 against the Panthers. So Sweeney was super super aggressive last year. It's the final year of Krejci and Bergeron. They're going for it. Everyone wholeheartedly supported the moves and loved the players that they brought in. Snarls and... Bertuzzi uh, was great. Hathaway, Bertuzzi. Yeah. He gets away on like a Justin Turner tiny little deal, oddly enough, to Toronto as well. Yeah, that was rough. And now they're going to have to make some really tough choices if they believe this team is worth going forward again. And I do. And I think a yeah. lot of Bruins fans, too, they don't want to see them mortgage the future completely. They've already bought... They've already borrowed significantly from their own future. But if that means you have to lose a fan favor right now to bring in somebody who's going to make a difference now and then you can hold on to, you got to do it. Last year was more, in my mind, of a sellout for that year because you had the sense that Bergeron and Krejci were going to be done. But still, year to year, like you don't know what's going to happen. So even though your best players are like Pasternak, McAvoy, Swayman are sort of younger guys, who knows how many more years you're going to get elite and Brad Marchand. So now it's sort of like that conversation. Like you got to maximize that and uh, try to tinker with the roster. So like we said, they got uh, less than two weeks uh, to try to get something done. Trade deadline coming up uh, March 
eighth. All right, two hours down, two hours to go on the Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy. Uh, we'll get back to your phone calls on the draft, the dynasty, add the Bruins to the conversation. We still got Red Sox and Celtics to hit on tonight as well. 617-779-7937. More of the Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy coming up next here on WEEI.